0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tacona Morning Drive podcast. It's been a while, I'm not going to lie about that. Uh, Life has been pretty busy, Tacona has been pretty busy in all the right ways, and the podcast has had to have a slight hiatus because of everything kind of getting in the way. But it is back, we have two episodes, the first one being this one with the brilliant Adam Gumpets, also known as the Rev from Revs Limiter. Uh, We sat down and chatted about his car history, his time as a car designer, uh, how he's moved across into becoming a fully-fledged reverend, and all the amazing work he's been doing with his Revs Limiter Facebook group. So it's great to have you back, and we shall crack on with the podcast. We're recording now. I'm going to say off the bat, this is not in any way structured. So you don't can't. expect any sort of idea as to how this is okay. going to work. Um, it's purely, let's just have a chat. Yeah. Because the idea is to promote conversation and chatting. So nice. We'll just do that. Nice. Um, so I'm joined today by Adam, who is Rev's on most things, I think, aren't you? That's probably the the way yeah, that most probably people, most know people him. would know me. Yeah, I don't know if Adam Gumpitz is the name no. that everybody knows. No, they, or, or they just kind of see me in a crowd and go, "Oh, it's him! It's the guy with it's the car That col. bloke. <laughs> um, yeah, I met um, one of the guys that was over on the stand at the last scramble. Um, was at the boxing gas thing on Sunday. Okay. And we were chatting. And he went, "Oh yeah." He introduced me to his friend. He's like, "It's the pal of Revs," and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, I know Revs." So it's like everybody knows you as Revs yeah, yeah. or the Rev. The Rev. Um, yeah. So it's quite appropriate that you're into cars. It is really your nickname is the Rev. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're just gonna have have a nice chat, get nice to know chat. you a bit more. Obviously, not everybody that listens to this will have known who you are, so it might be an opportunity to to bring some new audiences across to the to Rav's group which yeah. is, again, a really interesting, important thing that we should be talking about, so we will um, but yeah so, in a nutshell then who are you? Who am I? It's <laughs> a very good question, I ask myself that every morning, <laughs> who
1: am I? Um, no, so I'm, I'm Adam I, um, I've always loved cars, since I was a kid cars have been my thing um, and um, I am Um, a former car designer. Yep. So I worked for people like MG Rover uh, for Rolls-Royce motorcars, worked abroad for a while, Uh, did some yacht design as well. Um, And then um, jumped ship, quite literally, and became a vicar in 2013, right? Um, But a vicar with a kind of different, um, you know, I don't have a church as such, um, so I run the Revs community as a way of taking church out to where people are at, rather than expecting them to come to us. But also, obviously like you, passionate about mental health, about talking about mental health, about sharing about mental health, about promoting uh, good mental health and support for those who are struggling, Um, yeah.
0: That makes you a perfectly appropriate guest. A perfectly appropriate guest, doesn't it? Oh yeah. it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> if we um, were to put this in a nutshell, what yes. kind of people would we want? Mental yeah. health, cars, cars. That'll do. That'll do us just nicely. Nice. Um, so, I think it's probably worth us starting with the start in the the car design. How yeah. did you get into that?
1: So, I always, I mean, I've always loved drawing and I've always loved cars, and so there was there was only, you know it was only a matter of time before the two went together. Really. Um, and although I came to car design fairly late in the day, so I was 27 when I went to uni to study, um, before that I was a psychiatric nurse, so I worked in the mental health sector, uh, was a qualified psyche nurse. My wife was a qualified psyche nurse. Um, but I had a, a breakdown in uh, back in 90-something or other, I can't remember, uh, 96, 97. Right. And um, and I uh, took some time out, left nursing and and got uh, an interview to do car design at Coventry. And went for the interview and got offered a place. And um, so went to at 27, went to study for four years. Brilliant. Um, yeah.
0: As a 27-year-old, what was that like being a student? So to give a little bit of kind of, not necessarily context for myself, but... It's a very weirdly parallel line that I almost followed the exact same route. So I didn't do my nursing, I didn't do psych nursing, but I worked in the hospitals. And about three years ago, I went to, I think it was the motor show at the NEC... Went straight up to the guys at Coventry Uni Motorsport Academy and went, yeah. "How do I come and do motorsport? And how do I come and do car design and things like that?" So I very much followed the path that okay. you, you've already trod, um, and then I, I couldn't afford to go to uni as a grown up because I'm not financially in the position where I could do that. Yeah, um, and thing life gets in the way and things sure. happen. But it's very interesting to be able to ask someone who did go and do that what it was like as a. I mean, it was good. I I think I.
1: I was really fortunate that I was with it with a really good intake of younger people yeah. who were quite happy to let this sad old 27-year-old guy hang around with them and be mates with them. Um, although it was quite funny because we used to go out in the evenings and um, and they'd all be drinking beer and whatever and I'd be drinking tea in the pub because <laughs> I'd be like the name driver. or um, yeah. and, and my wife and I... I think we both enjoyed... There were certain students that we kind of almost took on as kind of extra family members, which was nice. (laughs) Um, And and our first child was born while I was studying, so our son Noah was born in in my second year. So we kind of did everything. We moved house, I became a student, we both became parents, um, all in one kind of fell swoop, which was quite a... I mean, it was... looking back it was probably quite stressy at times but at other times it was it was good um, and it was yeah And I imagine I mean,
0: it was boring at any point
1: no certainly wasn't boring um, and I really do you know I really did enjoy studying and I enjoyed all the stuff we did I enjoyed my third year placement which I had at MG Rover because that then enabled me to walk into a job with MG Rover after I graduated so, so actually it, it, it was all really kind of good and positive and yeah good fun as that's well that's brilliant
0: um, it's, it's quite insightful for, for people that haven't had that kind of experience or haven't seen into that kind of world that those kind of opportunities do come from those environments and things like that and how did you find so a lot of people have this perception that if you become a car designer mm-hmm. you're the next Gandini or you the next <laughs> Zagato you're, yeah. you're designing the le- next Lamborghini how much of it is designing door handles Well, I was
1: really, I mean, again, I was really fortunate because MG Rover was such a small team. We were, you know, as a student, I was working on live projects. Right. So, um, which was incredible. And they were a really good team, small bunch of people working in some very difficult circumstances, really, in terms of money available and.
0: Especially in the late 90s.
1: Late 90s, trying to get a, a new medium car out, which. You know, just costs millions and millions. So, um, and they were they had a real passion about what they were doing. Um, they just seemed to kind of be um, other people who were making decisions that were perhaps possibly not the best people to make decisions. <laughs> is probably the best way of putting it.
0: Yeah, the tail end of British Leyland wasn't exactly a, a no a, a sunny
1: story. No, but it? there were some great. There were some really. There were some good projects and there were there were cars that, yes, they were getting old, but as driver's cars, they still had something. So the ZS, which was the MG based on their old Rover 45, yeah, you know, that was a great car to drive, but it, it, it was an old car. And the ZT, which was the 75 one, again, was a really good car. Yeah. Um, and I had two 75s and loved them both, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think... I was really fortunate
0: to be able to work on some live projects. Yeah. And, um... So are there any cars from the Rover group that, if we were to encounter them, you could go, I designed that bit?
1: Not so much with the Rover group, because we were working more on stuff that we hoped would see the light of day. Right. Um, but never did. So there is a concept for a medium car that I did, and, and others also worked on, um... There's a tractor that I did, not for MG Rover, but a tractor which is in production. That's pretty cool.
0: Um, And I worked on a Porsche project as well. So so. I was going to move towards that Porsche project actually, because we had a very interesting (laughs) encounter with this Porsche project. So we were at Leon's little birthday shindig for his 18th, and we were still chatting with Joel. is it Mouton or Mutton? How does he... I thought it was Mutton, but yeah. I might be wrong. Because it, it could be a very high sensitive yes, case. Yes, it could be, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't want to upset him, because no. he's a lovely bloke. He is. Um, we were still chatting, and there was a, a lovely 997 GT3... Was it the just the GT3, or the R? Uh, it's the uh, GT3 uh, it 997 Mark II. But it was the face one, wasn't it? And you went, oh, I did the rear bumper on that. Yeah. And so we had a wander over, and then the owner of said... 997 Mark II GT3 came wandering over and was like, "Why are you guys gathered round the back of my car?" And we had this lovely moment where you went, "I designed the rear bumper I for your car." The rear bumper, yeah. So how did that come about? What was that like?
1: Um, I mean, that was amazing. Um, I was working for a design consultancy and we were offered the chance to, to get involved with a project. And of course, you know, somebody like Porsche, you don't say no, really. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, uh, incredible and. Um, you know to kind of i think to see anything whether i mean yes okay it's a Porsche it's great uh, and it's a it's a very good Porsche um the 997 uh, GT3 but but i think to get anything in production is actually a real achievement and and it's never one person i say i designed the rear bumper you know there'll have been an aerodynamicist involved model makers were involved production guys the days of 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 saying well so-and-so designed that yeah just a long gone really Um, because now there are just so many different teams Um, and I think all the best designers will give credit to all those other teams rather than just say that's my thing Um, yeah so um, I drew it but lots of people (laughs) helped make it
0: yeah yeah of course um, didn't you have an interesting time out on a track when you were doing that project? Yeah,
1: so I got to go around the test track at Weissach with um, Andreas Pruninger, who is Mister GT
0: Three, really. <laughs> and I think um, he was on the Collecting Cars podcast. Yeah, that long ago going through how the GT came about, and it was kind of like, oh, we just just did it. <laughs> and
1: going sideways with him is, is quite something, really. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's
0: I think he, if I'm remembering right, he was like, oh, I find cars a bit boring. Well, I think he races powerboats as well, Andreas. Yeah, Um, yeah. They're they're far too safe, these really expensive, really fast racing cars, so he he just doesn't quite get the thrill out of it. So I imagine being in the passenger seat when he's doing something that he finds easy must be absolutely bloody terrifying.
1: And exciting, I think the first (laughs) lap we did, I was absolutely terrified. And at one point, my side of the car was in the air. Um, But by the time... You then kind of remind yourself, hold on, you know, I'm not just in the in the car with Fred Boggs from around the corner, who's you know, watched, yeah. who's played Gran Turismo a couple of times. He's just picked it up. <laughs> just, it. Yeah, um, I'm with somebody who this is his day job, this is his bread and butter. This is yeah, you know, and it and then it becomes actually a real privilege and a real joy because you you watch somebody at work. Who really knows their stuff, and mm. he certainly does. I mean, it must be a bit like when people have driven with Walter Roll um, in a rally car or in a, you know, yeah, in it's a like Porsche. having a kickabout with a professional. Yeah, thing, I mean, it? it is just you know, you kind of you get a little bit kind of starstruck, really. So um, yeah, it was a bit special.
0: I know I, for one, am very jealous. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun. Like just those kind of experiences, they're they're very few and far between. Like the closest I've got is. Uh, couple of laps around Donington in an Aston Martin Vulcan and that was just... that's not to be sniffed at no I mean, that's, it's that's yeah it's not like I'm um, in any way downplaying how amazing of an experience that was but it wasn't that experience with the guy that designed it yeah. it was I it, to know you have it but I
1: think I mean I think if anything for me as I kind of look back and look on all those experiences um and the cars are great you know don't get me wrong I loved them and um you know after getting out of that car I kind of finally got what 911s were all about yeah Um, but for me it's always been about the people and the people that I've got to meet and and work with and and learn from they're the things that that really make it special so sitting um, with a Porsche test driver um, but but, you know the guys at MG Rover again who were passionate about what they did the guys at Rolls-Royce who who just had a really good understanding of the Rolls-Royce brand and knew what it meant and what it didn't mean. And 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 so to kind of rub shoulders with all these people, yeah, I just feel really, really fortunate and really... You know, it's been a great gift. I can't... Um, you know, because just those people... And not always the ones that kind of shout the loudest either, but the ones who were... Um, you know, who just quietly get on but you know they're passionate about what they're doing and they're good at what they're doing and
0: their work talks for their them. Their work almost.
1: talks for them, exactly. And 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 they're the ones that you kind of sit back and go, Wow, you know, if I could emulate anybody Yeah, that would be the kind of thing I'd want to do. So I think I've just been really fortunate with the people that I've I've got to work alongside.
0: That's amazing and to kind of move the people side across into what you do now is it's obviously eminent that people do mean a lot and you do have a lot of compassion and you care a lot about people because the Revs group itself, which from my perspective seemed to have been kind of born out of the necessity through the lockdown, um, like how did that come about? Because I know we run a relatively similar path in some of the ideas that we have, Revs and Tacona and things like that, which is why when we do get the opportunities to do stuff together, it's, yeah. it's very easy to, to bring the two into to the same place. But how did Revs come about? Rose came about.
1: Um, it came about when I was a, a trainee vicar, really. Initially, um, although the idea was kind of kicking around when I was training to be a vicar, um, and it, it kind of came out of the sense of the first church I worked at was in a very wealthy area, and there were lots of people on the road where the church was at that had all these amazing cars. I mean, there was a guy with a Type Thirty Five Bugatti and a Ferrari <laughs> Daytona, and you know, and um, and I'd walk around the, the 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 roads around the church, and I'd think, how do we get to meet these people? Because they won't come to church, but you know, I think they kind of need to know that they're loved by God just as much as anybody else. So how do we do this? And um, and then uh, as I was kind of walking around the, the parish, I got chatting to a guy who was he was washing his Aston Martin DB9. And um, he got these big iron gates in front of his house and I popped my head through the bars of the iron gate. I'm sitting there with my, you know, collar on and everything. And I went, oh, your DB9's got the sport pack, hasn't it? And he turned around and he did a bit of a double take and he was like, how, how did you know that? <laughs> I was like, oh, it's lowered by so many millimetres and it's got the five-spoke alloys and it's... And he was like, oh, my goodness. And we, got, we just got talking and it it made me think, actually, this is a way forward. Yeah. And And whether you... Um, have a faith, a religious faith, whether you don't. Um, just talking together and being community together is so important. And you know, if if I could kind of uh, kind of create a space where that could happen, um, then you know there was there, anything was on the agenda. So we could talk about mental health. We could talk about stressful weeks people are having. People could ask questions about faith if they were curious and wanted to know more, even if they were kind of cynical, they could say, "Well, what do you believe about this that and the other and and to do it in a place that that doesn't have some of the baggage for some people of a church building yeah but do it around something that we both love for, which is cars and because I worked in the industry, I spoke the language, and it wasn't me trying to kind of get in with a group of people um, who I knew nothing about I could talk about cars just like anybody else so so that's how it it started and we did a car show at the church and we did it we did it over a number of years at different um, times of the year and then we started very similar to the coffee and cars groups that Tacona run we started um, small revs community groups in various locations yeah which are really kind of I mean they're not they're not as big as your Tacona meets. They're, they're quite small. There's about maybe 20, 25 cars tops sometimes. Um, but they're places where people can come. They can have coffee, bacon sarnie. We can all talk cars. Or if they're struggling, they know that there's a listening ear there to yeah. support them. Um, and they can even ask for prayer if they want to. And they can ask questions about faith. We don't preach at people, but we're there if people want to ask questions. Um, so it's about being open and available it's about um, making friendships and relationships with people and it's about growing community out of that really.
0: That's it's really reassuring that, that it comes from that place because it would be very easy to go oh it's just them trying to shoehorn the church into a new yeah. place and to, to know that it comes from a place of community and of compassion and of getting people together and trying to make a difference and help offers a lot of reassurance to the likes of myself, who I'm, I'm not necessarily religiously cynical, but I'm not in that way inclined, if sure. it makes sense. I was raised as Jehovah's Witness, okay. so I've questioned faith a lot, yeah. and I've come to terms with my own understanding of things, and I, I'm i not scared to go, this is how I think about this matter, this is how I feel about this matter. I have no issue with faith, I have no issue with belief, I have no issue with anyone practising what they believe to be the, the thing they believe. So to, to know obviously I, I have an understanding of kind of the fundamentals of Christianity and things yeah. like that, and to come from a, a religion that does preach at people quite profoundly and is very well known for doing so. Um, to learn that there are more kind of compassion, it's not just a, right, how do we try and get more people to come to church? How do we try and speak the language of these people so that we can then divert that? Drag them into... Yeah, and, exactly. Or yeah, well. we can, them we can trick them in. It's it's very reassuring and really kind of genuine to know that these these things come from the place that they should come from, which is love and compassion and yeah, kindness. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that is what the religions are teaching.
1: Well, I mean, and that's it. I mean, and if if somebody were to kind of say to me, "Well, what's the heart of the what's the heart of the Christian message?" is that, that that God loves people and God is for people. Yeah. And so, actually, the first thing I do as a follower of God is that He calls me to love people and be for people. And whether that's people who are having a, a life that's all okay or whether that's people who are really struggling. And I think um, that has to be the, the number one motivation. Yeah. Um, you know, whether people then say, well, actually, I want to know more about faith, or whether they say, well, no, I just like it here because I get a free bacon sarnie and the cars are nice, <laughs> which is fine. The bacon um, sarnies aren't free at Bacon my, sarni- uh, <laughs> oh, okay.
0: Because <laughs> I don't run the cafe. Okay, no, fair <laughs> enough.
1: But I, I, I think it, it's... It's about relationships. And I think things like lockdown taught us all the value of community. Yeah. And when that's taken away, how destroying that can be for people.
0: I think uh, lockdown really put life into perspective for a lot of people. And it really kind of taught the value of coming together yeah. and of being around other people. And of not necessarily working yourself to death because that's the thing to do. Like A lot of people have really reevaluated their working lives and yeah. their what their values are from life. And I think that kind of goes hand in hand with a lot of people have then evaluated, well, what's it all about? What am I here for? What am I doing? Where am I going? Like, what's the point in all this? They've all kind of come hand in hand through being forced to sit inside when the world's going absolutely chaotic. And I think it's been a a real eye-opener for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people are now looking to... Get more fulfilment out of life and appreciate the the value of certain things like family and friends yeah, and community yeah. and the experiences that we have. It's it's very easy to spend all that time sat looking at a screen <laughs> and yes. not really being present in life. No, and, I, 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 and that's really interesting, isn't it? Because
1: um, in one sense, I find it heartening that 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 people have rethought that that we have rethought about how we use our time and our resources and our you know and and maybe to be more thankful for the things we have rather than wanting the stuff we don't have yeah um i'm also aware that some people have painfully short memories (laughs) and it's very easy to go (laughs) back to you know hey lockdown's over let's go party um and i'm not against parties by any means um but i think yeah and i think it um i think We've still got some of the mental health implications yet to come from it. If, if I'm, without trying to sound too downbeat, I think it's it's been such a, a life changing experience for whole loads of people mm. that I think things like Tacona, Revs, other things that are out there that are simply there to support people, I think they're going to continue to be needed.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's almost like a, a A cultural mindset shift with regards to mental health that is what you and I are both trying to help encourage rather than it being just a right if things are tough here's someone to talk to it's more of a let's make it more normal to have the conversations within the communities let's make it normal to talk with your friends let's make it more normal just to go I'm having a tough time yeah today's been really shit can we go for a coffee Like, I think that is one of the key things for me personally and for what Tacona is about is the support services that exist are great if people engage with them. Yeah. But the mindset isn't to engage with it. No. And how do we change the mindset around either engaging with support services in a professional capacity or kind of not nipping it in the bud but helping prevent the need for it to be such a severe escalation. And I think sometimes, you know,
1: it's interesting you say, you know, let's go for a coffee. You know, some people I think, think, well, how can I help somebody who's struggling because, you, know, you know, I haven't been trained or whatever. But I think things as simple as, if you've got a friend who's struggling, taking them out for a coffee and yep. just talking to them. and And, you know, things like that can be so important and yet we downplay them all the time don't we we kind of think you know but actually you know and I look back on on my experience and not just my experience as somebody who worked in mental health but somebody who's lived with a mental health condition for now what 25 yeah 25 years now um so I've had OCD for 25 years um and and kind of real OCD not a when people go, oh, I'm a little OCD because I like my pencil straight. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm it's talking about the severity. real... Severity. Yeah.
0: The, the... My little messy wires aren't that much of a problem. It's that I've got to scratch this spot 25 times until yeah, my finger or, bleeds because yeah, I can't Yeah, because if physically... I don't do that, I'm, something bad's going
1: to happen. Yeah. Or, and and um, so, and so I've lived with that and my family have lived with me having it for, for 25 years. But, but um, I think if I can talk about it... Yeah. And if I can say, Look, yes, this is part of my life, but it doesn't govern every part of my life and it doesn't have the control it did and yes, there are days where you will feel really crap. But there are so also days where you kind of wake up and you go, I can beat this, I can you know, we can get through today. And and I think for me it's so much more heartening when somebody I see who seems to have stuff together says well actually I'm really struggling at times then you kind of think hold on I'm not the only one yeah so um so that's why part of the whole revs thing is is a real honesty about my own kind of mental health really I think
0: yeah and I think it's it's also a case of like leading by example isn't it I know one of the big things that I have like one of the designs that I created that's been really positively received is all the little mantras that I tell myself yeah. the, the one yeah. that's not on there is you're a massive hypocrite <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> because I, I can't really put on a hoodie and have like, no, people walk around no, saying no. you're a massive hypocrite on the back but it's one of those where like for, for me personally I, I get the sense that it's a relatively similar thing It, if I were to be selfish I, I'm doing this for me because I need to be better at this so I'm hold, I'm using this to hold myself accountable because yeah. I need to talk more I need to be a little bit more in touch with feelings and how I think and what i i'm expressing and how i'm like being perceived by the world and things like that and being kind of held accountable to teach others how to do it helps me as well as it leads by example um so like i as i get migraines when i get stressed they're not normal migraines they're called hemiplegic basically one hemisphere of my brain just goes into meltdown right and they're a symptom of stress, but like severe stress. Okay, yeah. And there's a real big part of me that goes, maybe you're not reading yourself enough, and that's why these keep happening. Because I'm just, right, we'll tackle it, we'll keep going, we'll keep pushing forward. Whereas if I went, oh, this is crap, I need to process this, and then I need to process this, and then I need to process this, I probably wouldn't get to the point where my brain shuts down for yeah. a day, yeah, yeah. and I can't speak or eat or see or anything. That I,
1: <laughs> I think and- probably similarly to... If you, if we don't look after ourselves, yeah. how can we be a support to other people? Yeah, exactly. Because actually, there is a sense where... And I've come a, uh, a cropper with it not that long ago with Revs, really, in that you can get so kind of fixated for good reasons on supporting everybody else, and that's really important. But actually, self-care is important too. Yeah, definitely. So that you... You have the energy to keep to to, to to use when you need to use it. Yeah. But you take those times to rest. My wife is very good at kind of um being quite straight with me at times, um and telling me to slow down or to stop or you know um, I'm lucky in that regard as well. My other half's a psychologist. Yes. So she's like
0: I can see the signs. I'm like, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I think um. it's
1: I think um and and again it it, it it's living life with people who are. You know, just a really major, significantly positive thing in our lives. Who who know us and know when we're struggling and know sometimes when we you know, even struggle to get out of bed in the morning. It's not that we're
0: necessarily lazy. It's actually that we're kind of fighting our own battles to get out of bed and, and yeah. get on with the day. I saw a thing the other day that there's. It said something along the lines of there's not an inherent laziness. It's normally caused by something there's normally something to overcome right yeah rather i'm not being lazy i just i have no energy because i gave it all to this yeah yeah and i'm not being lazy i'm not inherently just i i have no motivation to do anything i'm just being like there's normally a contributing factor i mean it's not like an exact science and there's no research behind it but it was one of those where it's like if you really drill down into certain times where you're like i'm just being lazy today There's probably because of something it's normally a a symptom of something rather than just who you are mm. and I, I have those days as well where it's mm. like right it's eleven thirty. I should probably get out of bed <laughs> like I've, I've been sat here yeah. doing nothing my alarm went off at seven why am I still here, well, still here yeah. and it's normally like well nobody's holding me accountable and I've had like 15 days in a row where I've got up at six in the morning or something and you still feel guilty for it and it's like yeah. there's a certain amount of learning to to have those days and to accept those days are necessary yeah. for the other days. Yeah. And I think with like yourself and, and I and other people that work within um, healthcare, there's also a sense of I can't, I have to be the, the strong one, otherwise all these other people have no strength. And I, it, it comes a cropper for so many. Like I, I personally lost a, a friend who was a, a mental health nurse to it because she was going through a difficult time, but she felt like she couldn't show that weakness because she's mm-hmm. like, well, I have to be the person that fixes these, I can't be weak, I can't show these weaknesses. And there's a certain amount of, as you say, with self, self-care and looking after yourself and recognising those things and mm-hmm. then going, oh, no, I am still a person, I deal with these problems, I feel these things, mm-hmm. and I should practise what I preach to a certain extent and go, oh, I'm finding it tough. Because you can't exactly go... Oh no! This is how you should be dealing with that. When you're not yeah, doing yeah. what you're saying, um, it is that whole thing of kind of practicing what you preach, really. And um,
1: and well, you take that to the next level. I take right? that to <laughs> the next level, yeah. Um, but it, it's yeah, it's it, and I think it's hard, and I think it, there's still that stigma. Although we work against that stigma, there is still a bit of stigma for some people that these are things we shouldn't necessarily share or talk about or or they make us uncomfortable when other people share them. Um, and um, and actually, you know, I've found when I have shared stuff, um, the response to be overwhelmingly positive and for people to say, oh, thank you, you know, for for saying that you struggle with this or that, because actually I do, and I, I either I hadn't put a name to it or I hadn't, you know, I, I thought I couldn't talk about it, but, you know, the fact that... I can hear somebody else talk about it. it's really important so um, yeah um, it breaks the
0: barrier down doesn't it it like. does
1: yeah and I think particularly with things like social media where everything can seem perfect yeah and you know there are people taking 20,000 photographs and they'll put the best one up there and you know I think for me there's a real need to be honest and open and and that's that's one of our key values at revs is about openness and 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 inclusivity so whether you are doing well or whether you're struggling whether you want to know more about faith or faith is just not for you whether you love you know aston martin's or austin sevens or allegro's you know you have a place yeah at revs and um and that's that's what we're trying to really kind of get that message across I think
0: yeah I completely agree with you um, there's there's so much to be said for how the car world can create that space as well like just this afternoon when we were we stood with James and he was saying "Oh, where did the Tacona thing come from, I was like well cars are what connected me to other people Yeah. so let's use it to connect people Yeah. yeah. and again that's a lot on how we, we both walk on a very parallel line in that the, the idea is right well let's use this to create community, let's use this to bring people together and then let's use that community and that coming together to, to break down these barriers yeah. and make it more commonplace to go look you're a human this is a human experience it's not a perfect ride no there are ups there are downs and they're all part of the experience and there's nothing wrong with that and i've i've had conversations in the past where there's obviously because we're in the car world and it is more predominantly male orientated not to say that there aren't women in the car world there are lots of amazing women in the car world but in statistical terms it's predominantly blokes and blokes are predominantly shit at talking (laughs) Yes. Like, yeah. Emotions and feelings do not come naturally no. to conversation for men, and that is a lot of the time because of how kind of we've, as a society, have tailored yeah. how blokes are. You got to man yeah. up. You got to be tough. You got to work hard and bring home the bread. And there's a certain amount of well, it actually takes quite a lot of strength to show weakness. Yeah. Like I think this for all the mixed martial arts and the rock climbing and the motorsports and all these manly things that I do in my spare time whenever I find the bloody time to do it (laughs) the manliest thing and the thing that takes the most strength is I feel like crap or I'm feeling or I'm going to have a little cry because this wave of emotion has just come over me and I think it, it takes a lot of strength and it takes a lot of kind of bravery to even acknowledge the emotional side of things And the flip side of that is if you don't, it will still come and get you. Like with this migraine and all the bits and bobs that are going on lately, I was sat having breakfast at work the other day and then out of nowhere just started crying. And Mm. then I was sat there like just laughing at myself like, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) I just like floods of tears coming down my cheeks. I was like, I think all my emotion from everything that's going on has just hit me in one go because I haven't processed it or I haven't figured it out properly. But it's still going to get you. You're still going to have these emotions. You either have the opportunity to talk about it and kind of have some control over how you deal with it or it just wipes you out while you're having your porridge in the morning and you have no idea what's going (laughs) on.
1: you. I think, I mean, this is why, you know, I mean, um, this is why we've kind of started this, and I know you're involved with it, this Land Rover project. Yeah. So with the idea, you know, somebody's very kindly donated us a Land Rover And we're going to invite members of the community to come and help us build it, rebuild it. Um, And And that's not because not to do it all
0: ourselves. Yeah, it's (laughs) not because
1: we we want restoration on the cheap. Um, But it's in recognition of what you said. You know, for particularly for blokes, it's much easier to talk when you're doing something together. When it's stripping an engine or taking the suspension out of an old Land Rover or whatever. And so, if we could again create a project, a space, an activity whereby people could feel safe enough and comfortable enough to say, actually, I'm not having a great week. Um, and, and that we're not there to kind of cure them or give them therapy. Yeah. We're simply there to give them a space where, A, they can switch off from whatever else is going on yeah. and work on something that they can really enjoy, possibly learn a new skill. But also that, that, that as the relationships deepen, as people work together, Maybe there is that opportunity for somebody to go. Do you know, what? I'm. I've struggled in the way you're struggling now, and there is, you know, there's a, there's a day when it gets better. Yeah. Um, or or just the space to sit in the workshop with a cup of tea and and just chat to somebody. You know that. And, and that's not rocket science. It's just <clears throat> doing something that that we hope people will.
0: Yeah. yeah will kind
1: of feel that they want to be there and they you know they know that they can come and just get on with stripping an engine or they can actually kind of chat to the person as they're doing it and um yeah so it's and i think things like that and and, and obviously revs is not the only um outlet doing stuff obviously to kona have got your cars and coffee uh, coffee and cars groups um you know any of us that can create kind of Ways in which people can feel safe enough to talk yeah. is, is is good stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think it then leads to that infiltrating society in a little bit more of a, a common way, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's kind of, if we start, if you take it from a business perspective, which when I kind of started doing this, I read up on certain kind of ideas around that, from a purely like, how do I... Position an idea idea from a business idea. If you if you utilise the the kind of the concepts from that in this, how do we make a difference? You need early adopters. Mm -hmm. You need people that engage with an idea at the early stage that get involved when it's fresh and it's new, and they then tell their friends, and then they and and that's how it makes a difference. So, take the iPhone for example. The reason the iPhone was so popular is because all the tech kids got so excited about it and they were happy to spend thousands of pounds to be the early adopter with this technology and then that then trickled across into your mum has a, an iPhone now because she can FaceTime <laughs> but she's got that because her kids have got it and they've got it because their techie friend had one and it's the coolest thing in the world and it's taken that kind of concept and went right well let's do that with mental health Yeah, it's cool It's. Well, it doesn't even have to be cool it just has to be the thing to do is to go I need a chat or I need an hour away from life or I need a coffee with my mates just to like de-stress or let let things it doesn't even have to be sitting talking about it it can more quite often the things that help the most aren't direct No, it's oh I sat and spent two hours changing the springs on this Land Rover with a group of blokes that I'm friends with but it's almost like a mindfulness you're doing a task focused activity and it takes your brain away from all the stress and then it helps your like, while you're doing that, your brain's busy kind of figuring things out without you being involved, and then you find after a couple of hours, you actually feel like a weight has kind of lifted a bit.
1: And I, I think it's, it's interesting, because it, it, it then teaches us about um, uh, managing our own mental health. Yeah. Because we know that, you know, we can't be happy all of the time. The reality of the world is that there are things that happen yeah. that make us unhappy. Now, being unhappy doesn't necessarily mean being depressed or whatever. No, no. Because we can have a bad day and go, oh, that was a bad day.
0: Um, Sorry, my laptop has gone blank uh, uh, because I turned the brightness down. I can't uh, see... There we go. I can't see if it... There we are. I can see it again. Okay. Sorry about that. No, it's all right. Um, I didn't want it to have stopped. No, no. <laughs> um,
1: but I think, yeah, I think, um, you know, if we can learn a bit of... Um, a kind of, almost like survival mentally, mental survival techniques. Yeah, that actually, you know, we can kind of navigate the the ups and downs of life, with a, you know, just um, so like a toolkit. Yeah. yeah, and and that part of that toolkit might just simply be, do you know, what I'll go and strip a Land Rover engine with my mates on this weekend because that's that kind of grounds me, or I go and play footy with mates on a Saturday afternoon, or you know, or we we get together once a week and we watch a movie or, you know, it doesn't, as you say, it doesn't have to be, let's have in-depth conversations. Um, it can be something as simple as, you know, uh, we go running, you yeah. know. Um, if you're into that kind of thing, if you're you are into don't that you, thing, Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't, so in, in one sense, it doesn't have to be cars, although you and I are passionate yeah. about cars. It could be footy, it could be, um, you yeah, know, it could be dog walking or, or whatever. It doesn't, but I think, learning or having those things in your own kind of toolbox that allow you to to kind of navigate when life does present its challenges is a is a really good thing to kind of develop really
0: no i agree with you i really do and i think the more like obviously the different kind of spheres that people engage with like football and things like that the more that there are opportunities to build community and create these environments, the more it helps. Like I've I've had people very minorly go, oh, "Are you concerned that this person's doing coffees and cars?" I'm like, "Well, no. As long as coffees and cars is happening, yeah. As long as somebody's helping, I'm, I'm not I'm not bothered. It's it's about creating the spaces, and if more are happening, that's great because that means that it is becoming more common. Yeah, and if if it becomes more common then it makes the bigger difference and we hopefully make a change it doesn't have to be I don't have to have ownership over no. making a difference it's about making the difference yeah. and
1: actually it's it's maybe about collaboration so that if there are a number of people doing it hey well what can we do together to you know to support each other to yeah um, to you know uh, to promote each other um, to to work together so that there's almost you know, almost a kind of united front about talking about mental health. And, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, that the, the car community becomes known as one of those communities where it is okay to talk about mental health.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think there's a, there's a large, well, there's a lot of people, if not most people within the car world that... There's this like there's people in the car world and there's people not in the car world and the people in the car world are annoyed that the people not in the car world don't know how good it is to be in the car world. Sure. There's a lot of these videos that come out where it's like this is my family, this is my friends, this is my social circle. We're not just let's meet up in a Tesco's car park and do burnouts and aggravate the local area. Mm. There's a whole different Mm. world that non-car people in inverted commas don't get, and there's not many places within society that brings people from all walks of life together like the car world does like for example my friend with the Aston Martin Vulcan I would never have met a person with that level of kind of wealth or in that kind of sphere or that works in the industry that they work in if it weren't for our love of cars Mm. and we met at a car event Mm. my Mm. little GT86 which I'd had for a month, was like, at this show, and his son happened to have an old Japanese car, and we got chatting away. Wow. And now we're pals. Yeah. And it's, it's how it's like a universal connector, regardless of class yeah. or race or religion or all the things that normally segregate people. Cars kind of go through all those barriers in one fell swoop and bring them together. Yeah. Like, out of everything that I do, I don't think there's ever been an opportunity for me to sit down and have a chat with the Reverend. <laughs> You okay. know, yeah. If that makes sense, like yeah. I'm not in. I I don't engage with religious belief very often, and if I do, it's normally through my mom because okay. pretty much all of my family are Jehovah's Witnesses, okay. and my mum is an a, an angel of a woman, and she's probably the person in my family that I talk to the most. Because right. out of all of my family, they're all pretty crap at talking. Okay, which is the irony in what I have written all yes. over my clothing. Yes. I come from a family that don't really talk very much and if they do it's normally a shouting match Um, but I wouldn't have like my go-to person to talk to if I was talking about say belief wouldn't be yourself because I would go to what I was raised Mm. in Mm. or I'd go to like friends who are like my mother-in-law she is religious and she goes to church and I'd probably go to her and then she'd put me on to whoever she talks to most often. But because of cars, we're now sat at Bista having a chat in the sunshine, in the although sunshine. it's just gone behind a cloud. Yeah. Um, as I say, it, because of our love of cars and because of what we do and how we yeah. how we have these kind of common interests and common ideas, and that's that's the car world for me. And I, it's a part that isn't celebrated outside of the car world. No, or isn't d- celebrated enough, should I say?
1: No, I mean I think it's one of the things that I'm. I'm quite passionate about in terms of the, um, the inclusivity within the car world. And um, it's something I, I feel quite strongly about, simply because you know I'm not somebody who's blessed with a, a massive bank account and therefore able to afford a um, what I'd really love is an Alphaholics Alpha or a, um, an old Aston Martin. Um, but that doesn't stop me being able to appreciate them. And love them and be passionate about them. And um, but also by the same token, you know, I drive an old Rover, which is a bit like driving a motorised sofa. Um, And and I'm as equally passionate about that. So we all have our thing. And um, you know, one of the things at Revs that we make a point of doing is if we have a display, we will have a whole range of cars on display at an event. So the first event we did after lockdown which was the first Bista scramble um last year after you know after we'd all come out of lockdown um we had the prototype Jaguar XJR15 lovely um racing car road car 200 mile an hour rocket um sat next to a, a good mate of mine's white Austin Allegro yeah and and, and with those two just those two cars we were simply saying look everything is welcome here yeah, yeah. Um, and if you like 911s you can come and share your 911 if you like you know um, rear engine Skodas you can come and share those it doesn't matter um, because actually if we're if we're genuinely kind of passionate about cars there will there'll be always some kind of common denominator of the car that will kind yeah, of have definitely. us pouring over the engine bay or whatever so um yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really kind of keen on that. Um, I think that's really important. Um,
0: I agree with you. Like one of my kind of formative car memories was when I was 18 and I had a 1988 Mini Mayfair. Nice. And I used to take, I used to work in Derby and I'd have to commute across. And this Mini did not like commuting. And oh, really? I used to drive it like it was a modern car because I was 18 and I didn't know how to drive an old car with <laughs> any sort of love. So it used to spend more time with bits taken off it being fixed than I think I ever got to drive it. But I, I would parked it up at the car park opposite work and came out on my lunch one day and I was a very scrawny, floppy-haired teenager in a suit, which looks hilarious. And there was a brand-new GT3 pot next to the Mini. Okay. And I saw, the, I was like, oh my God, a brand new GT3. How amazing. Yeah. And I walk over and the guy's sat in his in this GT3. I was like looking over and he went, oh, I like your car, mate. I was like, get out of here. Like, no, I like your car. This is an old, and he's like, no, I love it. I love the chrome white. And he just poured over this yeah. 800 quids worth of Mini yeah. um, that had dents in it and barely ran straight. And, and it connected me with this person that I would have no common ground with as a floppy head, 18 year old with this, Businessman in his brand new Porsche. Brilliant, brilliant. And it, it's it's that it's one of those. If that happens more than once, then it's a pattern, and it has happened several times. Yeah. And it's using that, which I think is really going to help people.
1: And I, I think th- in some ways it's easier to connect with cars that we can identify with. Yeah. You
0: know, um, oh, that Renault gets more yeah connection. To Your people. Renault Five is awesome. Yeah, yes, and more you know. people love that Renault. Like I can turn up in my Toyota, and it's. A fast and furious looking lowered big wheels big exhaust Yeah, I'm a yobbo except for if you read the messaging and then you kind of go alright fair enough but that little Renault no matter where I go no matter who oh, I'm seeing yeah. like when we were at the scramble and you've got Mr JWW here with umpteen million pounds worth of cars and then 20 feet away is my little Renault 5 with about 8 people around it or mm. just looking over this it's one of those cars of the people where everyone's got a story. Everybody's yeah. mum's had one or their grandma had one or they bought That's one. That's why we wanted you to bring it because, we, you know, and I remember you, t- you talking and saying, "Oh, I'll, j- I'll bring the GT86. I
1: said, oh no, bring the Renault 5. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it's, it's that kind of car that, that will pull people, whoever, whatever they're driving now, you know, lots of people will have a Renault 5 story. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, in that car... And cars like it were so much part of our motoring landscape for so many of us, whether it, you know, whether our mums had one or we had one as a car when we were 18 or, you know, um, you know, they were such a kind of key part of our life. And so they'll always have a connection, um, you know, in a way that, that some of the more glamorous stuff, lovely though it is, and it is, you know, I mean, there's no... Denying it, we can't quite connect with it in the same way. Yeah. Much as, you know, I, I mean, I, for instance, I as a kid, I loved the Lamborghini Countach. Yeah, just it was my poster on my bedroom wall. It was, you know, but um, I can't connect with it in the way of somebody who grew up with one on their driveway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I can, you know, other cars like a. Um, my dad had a Maxi, right? Um, a chocolate brown Maxi. So when I see a Maxi, all those kind of memories just come flooding back yeah, yeah. Up and going up. All that nostalgia know. just yeah, comes
0: on through. Yeah, even the
1: smell, you know, you kind of... I, got, um, I think I was at a car show fairly recently and I sat in a car um, from uh, 1980. It was a, it was, somebody bought a, a Rover SD1 to one of the revs oh, groups. Lovely. And I grew up... Again, the SD1 was a car I, I quite liked when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I knew somebody who had an SD1 Vitesse. kind of go faster one yeah and here i was sat a couple of weeks ago in this in another sd1 Vitesse, and the
0: smell just
1: it took me right back to having rides as a kid in an sd1 amazing
0: yeah and that's that's again the the power of of the car world isn't it yeah Um, my dad had a 205 gti oh nice very nice i cried when he sold it yes i can imagine which as a five-year-old is hilarious (laughs) (laughs) So why is this kid crying? He has no idea what this car is. Um, And he replaced it with a D-Redge Celica, so the wedge-shaped one, not the rounded one, the boxy one. Yeah. And um, I have no desire for one of those Celicas because it used (laughs) to break down all the time. Wow. And as a five-year-old, like, I'd help push it when it broke down and things like that. But that 205 GTI had bright red interior, and I can remember the bright red carpets, and it had a remote... um, immobiliser and an alarm and everything and five-year-old me remembers all of this stuff which is like wild and that's the nostalgia of the cars and i I happen to know a couple of people with 205s and every time i'm like can i come have a look at the 205 and it for most people it's just a little old Peugeot, but for someone that has been around one so when we find like i know that for this scramble you're looking for the cars of the people yeah that's your, your your target for it and it is what gets people engaged. They have the stories. They have those connections to other people through these shared experiences of cars.
1: Yeah, we've got somebody bringing a, 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 one of the first edition Austin Metros. Oh, brilliant. And um, again, that was a car that I grew up knowing. And um, uh, yeah, and my dad had a, an Austin Maestro or he had an MG Maestro. So it had a digital dashboard, it had a talking computer... <laughs> Sure, and it was the world's work. most unreliable sixteen hundred engine, um, <laughs> but it had twin carbs and and you know because f- he was a vicar too. For a vicar to be driving around in this kind of souped up Maestro, I thought that was really cool. <laughs> cool. It is very cool. So um, so yeah, um, but um, and there, you know I mean, my kids, for instance, um, we used to have I used to have a Fiat five hundred a bath, um, and An original no, that one the, of the, the new, new ones, ones yeah. Um, but we bought it when I became a vicar um, because I needed a car and I just wanted something that was interesting. I didn't yeah. want just a box on wheels, but I needed a, a, a modern car, you know, and my kids loved it. So that whenever they see one now, they kind of think of Luigi, our little black, a <laughs> Bath 500, you know, which was just absolute. I mean, it was in one sense, it wasn't a great handler. It was far too overpowered for it. it was It was... Rock-hard ride,
0: and I bloomin' loved it, yeah. absolutely loved it. It's a, it's a future car of the people.
1: Car oh, the definitely, car. and I and I regret selling it. It's the, right. one of the few cars I've had that I've kind of looked back at and gone,
0: yeah, am I really doing the right thing? <laughs> um. <laughs> I had a one-litre Fiat 500 for a courtesy car for two days, Okay, and I had to take it from Nottingham to Bista, funnily enough, my other half lived in Bicester for six months on one of her placements and I hated the whole trip there until I got to some country lanes and then I loved it because yeah. it was so underpowered that you had to keep your foot in <laughs> yes. it everywhere and I had this absolute knob in a BMW like we came off the A43 and he was right on my backside and every roundabout because it was so light and because if you know how to drive you can take a relatively straight roundabout yes. almost flat out yeah so every roundabout he'd be up my arse and then I'd leave him and then because it was a one-litre Fiat 500, it'd take me forever to get back to the <laughs> yes. so it'd be right up behind me again. Then we got to these country lanes, and I just left, and you just could not keep up. And it was one of those, like, cheap little cars mm. that you rev the nuts off until it screams at you to change gear, and then you Off you go, off again. You go again. But you can just throw it at everything and just, oh, here we go.
1: <laughs> Which is what I loved about the, the Bath in that, okay, it, it was a bit more kind of souped up, but it was the bog-standard, Hundred and thirty five brake. Yeah, didn't even have leather interior. It was it was cloth, but we just loved it. And and it, you know it had that wonderful thing if you started it first thing on a cold morning, and for a, a supermarket car, it what well, it sounded incredible when you first first started it up, and it would just kind of whoa, 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 and you kind of go inside and kind of you know get something to bring out into the car, and you just
0: hear this thing and it just put a smile on your face. Yeah. You Cold know. start's a great thing, yeah. that, um, that Toyota has it. And because I've got the aftermarket exhaust, okay. I've, I've upset neighbours in the past. <laughs> I had someone pour shampoo all over it once because they, they were annoyed at how loud oh it was. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and they, they didn't want to damage it. They just wanted to send a message, <laughs> did this. I went, if you're going to clean it, at least do a proper job. Yeah, come on, get a sponge out. <laughs> yeah. What are you Don't now? just leave the shampoo on there. A bit of water and off we go. It's nice and soapy. <laughs> but you see, I'd, I'd love a 4x4
1: four four Panda.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: An original 4x4 Panda. Yeah. Um, I, yes, I would love an Alphaholics Alpha. I, I think they're stunning. Um,
0: I had one follow me down, Shellsley Walk. Oh, oh, I said a like, I had an 037 and then an Alphaholics oh, follow me down, Shellsley Walk. Yeah. Which, that's that's a rear view mirror that doesn't go away quickly.
1: No, I mean, I've been very fortunate enough. I did drive one um, that was a an Alpha Junior that had got some Alphaholics bits on it mm. and um and they say kind of never meet your heroes but I'm so glad I met that one because it was just astounding <laughs> yeah. to
0: drive. wasn't the yellow one that's yeah yeah um he was at the hill climb was right. yes. that wasn't the one that followed me down it was Have you seen the red one with the yellow front end yes that's the one that was on okay there. yeah but that yellow one was there and he's been here a few times as well and it's it's a very lovely car it though. is a lovely car and um and, and some, that, you know, that's
1: partly why we've got an Alpha as our revs logo because it's just it reflects something of my own yeah. absolute love of Alphas. But um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of happy when I'm even with a higher car. You think, oh, this would be interesting because I've not driven one of these yeah, yeah, before. Yeah. yeah, I could write a, um, a car review. I could write a car review. Yeah, on this Daihatsu Charade or whatever. Um, yeah, um, but
0: um, but you know, I. I
1: yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about all kinds of car stuff, really.
0: Yeah, and it, it shines through in all the stuff that you do. Like you know, we've not even kind of touched the surface on all the artwork that you do. And every time anybody sees you, you're normally sat on the floor with a sketch pad. Yeah, it's, it's. I know my place. Yeah, it's. <laughs> where's Adam? He's sat down somewhere. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's on the floor. He'll be There's... there for about an hour and a half. So yeah. you'll find him eventually. Yeah. He'll leave it. Yeah. No, I love that. I
1: love sketching live because, it, again, it's people. You you get to meet people, all kinds of different people, and they talk to you about your art, and you find out where they're from. I remember I was fortunate enough to spend a year as Aston Martin's artist-in-residence, and um, one of my first events with them was the Festival of Speed. Oh, amazing. And, and I... So I, I was there on my first day as their artist, on their stand at the festival, drawing their cards, and got chatting to these two guys, and I, you know... Um, I found out that they'd come from Yorkshire.
0: Right. It's and a long they'd, way, that. they'd
1: come that morning from Yorkshire all the way down to the Festival of Speed in Goodwood and then were driving back that night all the way back up to I've Yorkshire. I've
0: done that from Nottingham to the Festival of Speed and back and that was four hours each way. And Yorkshire's two and a half on yeah. top of
1: that. I mean, I said to them, you know, what time did you get here? so said, well, we actually got here at four in the morning. So we just parked up. And we slept in the car for a couple of hours. But I, I just thought, wow, you know, isn't that amazing that, that they've done that? They're so passionate yeah. that they they want to come down and do that. And I said to them, oh, are you staying overnight? And they said, oh,
0: no, we'll, we'll head back tonight. It's like, oh, my goodness. The Festival of Speed takes two days to take in. Oh, yeah. You have to do two days. Yes. Yeah. Because it's so big. Yeah. And, and it's got bigger and bigger and bigger, hasn't yeah. it? Like, the first time I went, I this is another funny car connection story, um, I went to Wollaton Hall, which is Batman's house. From oh, the, yes. That's up in Nottingham. In Nottingham, yeah. Um, there was this little like dealer display show thing on where All the local Nottingham, like, Grape Hall, and they all had little displays of what stock they had and this, that and the other. And the Renault, I can't remember which Renault franchisee it was, had win tickets to the Festival of Speed. Ah. Just give us your name and your email address so that we can collect your data and all that sort of stuff. So I signed up and I got a phone call and it says like, oh, what car do you drive now? And it says, I got a phone call and it was, oh, is this Mr. Warren? Yeah, yeah. Got a GT86. Yeah, yeah. Is it a black one? I was like, yes. Why? I went, this is Alex. We went to school together. I've got oh, you on Facebook. You've won the competition. Don't worry about it. I <laughs> so will. I got free tickets to go to the awesome. Festival of Speed for the first time. Um, but that, that, that Toyota, it, as a talking point, I had kind of... Not left the car scene, but after my Mini, I had a little Citroën C2, which is just a normal little car, and then I had a, my dad's old Audi A6 Avant that was just like a hand me down. Nice. Because I'd crashed the Citroën. And he was like, This car owes me about 500 quid, so you can just have it. And you can't crash this. And yeah, someone rear ended me and it did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it had this big old tow bar on the back. They rear ended me in traffic and I just like wobbled. <laughs> I got out and their front bumper's all smashed in it. This one was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I was like, well, it's your own car that you've yeah. broken. I was really tempted to fall out the door. Oh, my bye <laughs> just to really play it. Um, so I'd kind of fallen out of the car world, so I wasn't going to meets or events or shows or anything like that. Then I got the Toyota because I broke the Audi, basically, and bent the chassis on it. Oh I, I did manage to break it. Um, and then I fell back into love with the car yeah. world. I got back into the community and became part of the car world again. So I'd missed out from when I was probably 19 to when I was... 22, 23, on all of the car scene. Mm. I'd not been involved in any of it. So I'd lost all of my love for the car world. So then I've spent the last five years relearning it all. Mm. And then the fun side is because I started doing Tacona and I do what I do with Tacona, I've gone from kind of just dipping my toe back into the car world to being on the complete opposite side of yeah. the coin. Yeah. Being at the events, hosting meets, and being around the car people. Yes. Whereas before, I could have only dreamt of doing half the stuff that I do now. And it's all because of cars and being involved with cars that life takes these really interesting different routes yeah. and journeys and things like that.
1: Oh, I, mean, I certainly wouldn't... You know, if you'd have asked me five years ago if I would be doing now what I'm doing, you know, I'd have, I'd have almost laughed at you because I would have thought, well, you yeah. know. Um, I mean, you know, we're sat here at Bicester Heritage the reason I'm here is I'm chaplain here yeah um you know I I remember coming to the first scramble or one of the first scrambles you know um just as a kind of punter and now here I am yeah working here so it, it, yeah you just don't know do you? you don't you know um yeah and there's the you see the same people at shows and things again and again and it's People that we're, we've obviously got to know and got involved with and work with, and, and it does. It, it feels sometimes I still
0: pinch myself. Yeah, I have a lot of imposter syndrome. Right? Yes, when me I, too. I had Alex Goy on the podcast, which in itself is a Alex Goy has been Alex on Goy, my yeah. podcast. Yeah, like, this car journalist that writes for magazines and is on car fiction and all this sort of stuff. I was talking to him about it because I was on the Driven Chat podcast, which I know you've been on yeah. as well, and we were it was at Caffeine Machine which it was, I was invited to Caffeine and Machine as a guest, which I was like, oh, <laughs> I've made it. This is it. You are a guest. Um, and because of the timing of everything, it was when Richard Porter was doing I Love You, Man. Yeah. So normally they record on a Tuesday. They did it on the Monday so that they could have him on the podcast as well. Yeah. And because of the time, they went, oh, do you want to just come and get here a couple of hours before Richard does and we'll get you in as well? I was like, sounds great. I am very aware I'm the smallest fish in this pond. I'm happy hey, to work mate, around. You and me both. So... I went and we sat. I was like oh, I'm going to stay for I Love You Man because I'm here Yeah. and this was when I lived in Hertfordshire so a Caffeine Machine machines. Oh, a long job. Yeah, that is a long stretch. Um so we, we stood in the bar and because I, I know Alex very I'd known him minorly I'm knowing he, I know him more now um, but he as the gent that he is bought a t-shirt off me no expectation of one being sent or anything like that he, he bought a t-shirt when I know were crap admittedly because he liked what I was doing Mm. and that's a real testament to how Mm. Mm. the kind of guy he is there was no expectation there was no oh if you send me one I'll wear it or anything like that he Mm. bought one he wore it he told people about it and more people bought them which annoyingly was when they weren't the quality that they are now Um, (laughs) but we were stood I I had this moment where I was stood in the bar at Caffeine and Machine and I've got Alex Goy Richard Porter who is the writer for Top Gear (laughs) Amy Shaw and John Marker and then me and we're in this little semi I was stood there going I don't belong here I'm not a professional these guys are all established and professionals and I I would
1: feel the same because I you know um yeah I I always I'm always very self-conscious yeah um and and it's much easier to um be positive about other people than you know
0: yeah perhaps for some of us we're our own worst critic Oh, 100 um, percent. But Alex said the same thing. He went. I imagine everybody was stood there feeling exactly the same. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: I mean, it, it, Alex is great because he's he's again he's somebody who's open about his own stuff. Yeah, um, who's a very good advocate. Who um, plus he lets me drive his Morgan three wheeler now and again, which is very nice. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, but and and other people too. And I think um, again, that's when you realise if hold on if they've got their stuff going on as well yeah. then actually maybe you know maybe I'm not the imposter and maybe actually we're all just in this together and and there'll be times where he can support me or I can support him yeah, or, yeah. or you know um, but I I understand because like, I get the imposter syndrome quite often really because um, you know what's this vicar doing here? <laughs> um, hello, it's me again. Um, yeah, you know, kind of... You're at car shows and some people will, will kind of come up and they'll recognise you and go, oh, hi, Adam. And other people will kind of see see you and then see the white collar and then kind of almost cross to the other side of the <laughs>
0: paddock. Um, yeah. I very much enjoyed playing on the perception of you with uh, with my other half when we are at the Scramble. Okay, yeah. Because I, I, I have this... where i will treat anybody as a person regardless of status sure which isn't me trying to toot my own horn it's probably a i should probably have some wires and graces from time to time but i i'm not very good at it because everybody's a person everybody poops um but we were still chatting and i think you'd said something and it was very easy to draw an innuendo from what was said Okay. i can't remember what it was specifically but my other half started laughing and I made the joke and she she leaned into the joke a bit and I went, you can't say that, he's a man of God. And she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, ah, ha, ha I got you. Because <laughs> she, her family, her mum still goes to church and her family okay, are yeah. still involved a lot more so than, like my family are all still Jehovah's Witnesses and things like that, but I personally am not and it's there's no connection there. Whereas her mum, every time we go and visit, she still goes to church and she gets up on a Sunday morning and she goes, and it's still very much part of their active life. Because my family don't talk to each other, we don't spend much time around. Okay. Them. Yeah. Whereas her family, we spend all our time with, which is great. It's it's like my surrogate family. because yeah. I'm this little lost sheep all the time. Nice. And I, wherever I go, I, I'm like, oh, can I can I sit with you, please? <laughs> can I join in? Yeah. So uh, for her, when I said, you can't say that. He's. Uh, the reverend she's like what I was like yeah that's why we call him the rev she's like oh I'm so sorry and I was like he's a bloke he'll be alright don't worry yeah, about I Not in bed like everybody else yeah, um,
1: yeah no I, I'm not I wouldn't want to be a prude and and I'm not um, there are some things I, I probably won't join in conversation with some yeah. things um, but that's you know um, but I'm I'm not here to judge people um, no, that's his job isn't it I'm here to kind of well, I kind of feel I'm called just to get alongside with people and celebrate when they've got something to celebrate and and cry with them when they're crying. And um, and and that's what I've always felt for me being a Rev is about, really. Yeah. Um, it's kind of
0: been a conduit for, for them. Yeah,
1: and I hope bringing a message of hope to people, whether they choose to... Um, Kind of explore the whole faith thing or not for me, faith is about hope it's not about having all the answers because yeah. um, actually none of us have all the answers, I don't think, but it is about bringing hope where there isn't hope um, and my goodness, haven't we needed hope you know over the last two or three years really 100%. Um, and you know, hey, us talking here, um, you know if that gives somebody hope brilliant then we've we've done something
0: yeah and that's the reason that I try and do this as much as I can like it's it's very much a a passion project and as much as someone would go oh it's just promotion for what your brand is like you're missing the point of the brand really like the brand exists to make a difference but he has
1: for those of you listen to this and can't so he has made me write to Kona on my forehead yeah yeah yeah, we're gonna tell I've been branded
0: (laughs) I've got a big rubber stamp you've got got a big rubber stamp for you do that to meeting. everybody you interview. Yeah. If you're coming on the podcast, um, you get a rubber stamp for a, a week. Yeah. Is I am going to buy a Tacona
1: T-shirt, though. That's I okay. am going to do a buy,
0: buy a Tacona T-shirt. Um, that's not why I had you here. Just no, no, to no. Just no. down and go, when are you going to yeah, buy t T-shirt? Buy
1: t-shirt? Um,
0: no, it's, it's one of those where the whole purpose of this, as much as it does ad- advertise what Tacona is and it, it does help raise awareness for what it stands for and what I'm doing, it's to lead by example. But also it's good to
1: advertise because actually if people don't know that Tacona's out there, that Revs is out there, you know, places where people are leading from the front in talking about mental health and enjoying cars, then if they don't know this stuff is out there...
0: It can't make a difference.
1: They can't access it. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't matter whether it's got a Tacona badge, or Revs badge, something else, whatever, but actually it's good to get out the fact that these communities exist and they exist... Yes, because we all love our cars, but they also exist to hopefully bring something positive when, when life can have its challenges. And, and so, you know, hey, if that means I wear a Tacona t-shirt and you um, paint your car in Revs colours um, or whatever, yeah. you know, it, 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 flipping out, let's do it. Because actually, you know, for somebody who, who might really be struggling... You know, they come to a car show and and they see that there are at least two um, sets of communities that are trying
0: to create positive places. Yeah, exactly. Then brilliant. Yeah, and hopefully the more that these things do grow and get engaged with, the more people that it helps and the bigger a difference it makes. Like, as the groups grow and as people discover more and as... The the reason that I need clothing is because they act as talking points. They're the way that you can No, I think it's brilliant. um, And also, it
1: it. allows you, and I know because you and I have talked about this before, but it allows you to stretch your kind of creative muscle as well because you enjoy that process of creating. Yeah,
0: big time. Um, I I didn't realise how much I enjoyed it until I started doing it more.
1: And that's good for you. Yeah. And then it's good for us that buy the T-shirts because we buy nice T-shirts. But it's good for you (laughs) because actually you're... You know, it's like me sketching. You know, yes, I'm doing it for somebody and they're going to pay me money to buy a sketch. But actually, for me in itself, it's good. Yeah. You know, I know that there are times when, when I've not been able to do much else. I pick up a pen and I start drawing or, or you start designing a new T-shirt. And you can kind of get lost in that in a good way. Yeah. And it, and it allows you to switch off from everything else.
0: I've had several times where it's like half eleven at night and Grace is coming in like you need to go to bed stop <laughs> yes. drawing yes. <laughs> put them out because I do mine digitally she's like okay, put, yeah, put yeah. the laptop away put the laptop away come to bed or it's like stop making stickers they'll be they'll still be there in the morning, morning. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah there are times where my
1: wife has to almost manhandle the sketch pad off the drawing board of mine yeah and say right that's it put it down give your brain time to do something else time go time to have a cup of tea shut off
0: yeah, yeah. um I think that's a really nice point to to wrap up. We've hit an hour and 15 now. Wow. Which goes by really quickly. Yeah, And unlike most of these, I didn't have to wait. What I've found is a bit of a trend when I do these podcasts because I try not to prepare too much, which is probably a weird thing to say, but it allows the conversation to be genuine. It's not like I'm coming in with any sort of agenda. And half the time... I know roughly what people are doing, but I don't know the specifics. I'm the worst person for following any sort of content out there. So, like, I haven't seen the latest Carfection video. Okay, yeah. I haven't seen what so-and-so is doing. I don't know where Shmi is on the Cannonball or the Gumball Rally or whatever. Like, I don't follow that. So, when I meet the people that do all these things, I almost have, like, a very open book to find out. And hopefully my ability to ask questions is what's really carrying this forward but also i think the
1: ability you put it really
0: nicely you know let's let's just have a chat yeah and it, it gives an opportunity so normally it takes to about the hour mark for the conversation to like soften into like mental health or more personal matters but for yourself it's been very easy because we come into this with the assumption that we're going to talk about it anyway yeah sure it's not normally if if you listen to the podcasts around about 50 minutes to an hour it's not like a switch but it it's very noticeably oh this happened and this has happened and that's how and it's it's a really nice moment to go right we've reached that point it's really reassuring that i'm doing things right when Mm. i when it gets to that point but it's really nice to be able to have uh, over an hour's worth of dipping in and out of yeah. those scenarios, which is great. So all I can say really is thank you for No, thank you. For spending well, it's half five on the day before the bank holiday and we've not left this yet. And, not uh, left Bista yet. <laughs> no. Um, I said no, no, go thank home. You. But no, it's it's really really appreciate it and this will be out as soon as I can cobble it all together Mm. which I can show you because I know that you're thinking of doing something audible yes yeah. Um, so this is just a software let me stop recording now thank you Adam how can people find you I know Revs Limiter is the Facebook group Revs
1: Limiter is the Facebook group and uh, we also now have a YouTube channel oh lovely um, which we've put some of the stuff we did during lockdown and other stuff um, on there Um, there will be the stuff that you helped us with that uh, on mental health awareness week yep. when we had you alex and sarah crabtree um and um so we've got stuff on there and um we are in the
0: process of beginning to build a website so hopefully people Amazing. will soon be able to access us via the website too fantastic so get searching for rebs on all the different social medias and especially the facebook group is probably the central point
1: facebook central point or instagram as well
0: yep. um, you can find Res limiter on instagram too amazing right i'm going to stop recording now